Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Colts Authority Radio's Inside the Writer's Block. I'm your host, Kyle Rodriguez, along with my co-host, Scott Kazmar. Today, looking at the NFL playoffs, uh, wild card weekend. Uh, not the best selection of games for wild card weekend, but set up what looks to be a fun uh, divisional round this weekend. Uh, so with that, let me go ahead and bring on my co-host, Scott. Uh, Scott, nice to talk to you again. Yeah, Kyle, I, you know, I think divisional weekends are the best week of the whole NFL year. Um, you know, you get to see four games for the last time. You get to see the first-round bye teams uh, play their first game, uh, usually some good upsets, or at least one. Uh, yeah, like some very interesting games this week. So, and uh, the only problem with the whole week is you get articles on the Internet like how the Seattle Seahawks got their groove back and a uh, most trustworthy playoff quarterback. So, yeah, the analysis can be uh, more irritating than ever, but uh, looking forward to the games. Well, especially when you've got uh, matchups like Indianapolis and Denver, where we can get the 18th round of Luck versus Manning uh, articles written. Uh, It's not Manning versus Brady quite yet, uh, but we haven't gotten any new storylines in a while. Uh, series is tied 1-1, and it's still uh, pretty much the exact same thing that we read uh, last year when Denver came to Indianapolis. Uh, Jim Irsay, up to his old media tricks, calling a press conference for no reason this week, just so he could get in the media uh, the week that Peyton was going to get in the media, I guess. Uh, so that happened. Um, and then Peyton just didn't want to talk about Andrew Luck this week at the in their press conferences, so we're just making up completely out of, out of nothing now. Uh, then we've got uh, things like Patriots, Ravens, where we have the Are the Ravens the Patriots Kryptonite stories, another round of those. So it's a lot of uh, some tired narratives in the AFC, but they should make for good games, which is which is the, the plus side. In the NFC, uh, some matchups that we haven't really seen a whole lot with uh, Dallas and Green Bay and then Carolina and Seattle. So some, some fresh things there, although, like you said, the uh, – Seattle getting their groove back and trustworthy playoff quarterbacks uh, articles weren't weren't super fun. Uh, all right, Scott, let's go ahead and start off by talking about this weekend, wildcard weekend. Let's just get this game out of the way early. Uh, Panthers and Cardinals. We talked about it last week, Scott. Uh, like the Cardinals as a team, but uh, with Ryan Lindley at quarterback on the road, uh, just never was going to be bright uh, bright hopes for them. Yeah, I get get the game out of the way early. I think that's what the NFL thought. Schedule it first. Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed in Bruce Arians. I thought he uh, would make the offense vertical. I mean, they were still doing their kind of offense in the last few games of the season. 
I just thought they were way too safe on the road with Ryan Lindley. You know what? I mean, you know, just let him throw some deep passes. He gets picked off, so be it. At least he'll be down the field. But uh, you know, way too horizontal and uh, only put up, I think, 78, 79 yards of offense. Worst in playoff history. Uh, pretty unbelievable. Um, you know, Carolina, they weren't too impressive either. I mean, Cam Newton, uh, very fortunate to get a screen pass touchdown, you know, one-yard touchdown pass. Uh, not a very good game from him. Um, best thing he probably did was tackle uh, was it Cromartie on the interception because he turned for a touchdown. Uh, so I mean, just kind of the game you expect from two bad teams in Arizona. You know, again, Todd Bowles a little disappointing end of the season too. If they faced uh, three weeks in a row, they faced a running quarterback and uh, you know didn't adjust too well. I mean, they played Newton a lot better. And they played uh, Kaepernick and Russell Wilson, but you know, that defense gave up a lot of yards the last few weeks. And um, it was Jonathan Stewart, very nice game, uh, one of the better running backs down the stretch this year. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think whoever won the game was kind of going to be the lamb led to the slaughter in Seattle. But um, yeah, Carolina was able to beat Ryan Lindley pretty uh, convincingly. Yeah, you know, looking into this game and, and from the last couple of weeks, you know, Ryan Lindley, one of the few things that he's been, uh, well, maybe not adequate, but but not quite as terrible at, is is throwing the ball down the field. And uh, they were able to get a few of those big plays against San Francisco. Uh, I thought they would maybe come out and try and do that against against a, a Carolina secondary that isn't isn't great. Uh, the Carolina defense is is strong, but the secondary is definitely the weaker point. And I uh, thought they could perhaps go down the field a little bit more, but uh, like you said, just playing it a little too safe. Um, but either way, didn't didn't look like this was going to be Arizona's year either way. So um, now we've got Carolina and Seattle. Uh, the other other couple games this weekend, uh, we'll we'll save the uh, Dallas Detroit one for last since that was well the best game and also most controversial. Uh, We'll go to the AFC uh, for this next one, Scott. The Colts and Bengals. Um, we talked about it last week. I just, I never thought that the Bengals matched up well with Indianapolis this year, and you can obviously see that now in hindsight in both of their two wins, um, the Colts wins that is. Uh, and then Andy Dalton just just doesn't have enough. It wasn't a terrible game from Dalton, but it wasn't good. You you know you just couldn't make the big throws when he needed to. Uh, obviously, there wasn't a whole lot of separation from his receivers in this game without A.J. Green and, and without uh, Gresham. But uh, for the Bengals, they're stuck in the same old place after losing another wildcard playoff game. Where do they go from here, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to make some big changes. Um, I mean, it's not so much Dalton this year, but just the general Marvin Lewis, 12 seasons, not a playoff win. Not able to get past the wild card uh, round. Uh, you know, most teams in the league have been able to do that at least once in that time. And uh, you know, he had a quote the other day about uh, not knowing any other way. On that, you know, they asked him about the 0-6 record, and he doesn't know any other way what to do. So, I mean, I don't really see how you could keep bringing that kind of coach back. Uh, it's kind of proven that you know coaches do o- overstay their welcome in places, and I think. You can look at Andy Reid in Philadelphia and Jeff Fisher in Tennessee as two examples of guys that needed a change of scenery. I mean, you just eventually run out of, you know, you plateau and you need a new fresh set of eyes on something. And I think the Bengals are 
uh, getting all they really have been able to get out of Marvin Lewis, and they just don't see anything changing there. And you know, Andy Dalton, you have to put him on a short leash because you know, he didn't really progress this year. And they did have injuries, and you know, I think the Colts really did everything that they needed to do on Sunday. I mean, it was kind of an easy matchup. When you have a team that cannot rush the passer, uh, Cincinnati, and you have no receivers really to throw to. I mean, uh, Brandon Tate and Hamid Sanu and Rex Burkhead, I mean, throwing the guys like that in a playoff game, uh, that was a pretty easy matchup for the Colts. And, uh, you know, again, Jeremy Hill just shut him down. Um, you know, aside from every one drive, they had a good run, running game going. But, you know, pretty easy matchup for the Colts. And, you know, I thought Andrew Luck played – it's kind of one of the great playoff games that will not really be remembered as a great playoff game just because he only played through one touchdown. But uh, just very accurate, a lot of drop passes. You know, if the Bengals had a real offense that day and they put up a more competitive game and the Colts lost, that would have been a real heartbreaking one because, I mean, he played so well uh, down the field making the big throws. And T.Y. Hilton, just very uncharacteristic, all the drops. I mean, the Colts have had a ton of drops this year, but you know, usually you see uh, T.Y. Hilton make those catches. But uh, yeah, it's such a good game from Luck, and um, yeah, that's why the Colts are moving on. Yeah, the uh, early game drops, uh, three by Hilton. Uh, I think it one from Fleener and, and another one. I don't remember who, this, who the fifth one was, but I think there was five drops total in the game, uh, and a lot of them early on, like you said. And Luck was just – but Luck was – so good from start to finish. Uh, I was I was a little worried after the first quarter because he was he was playing so well, uh, but they just kept <laughs> dropping the ball. I thought they were going to waste it, but they uh, ended up putting it together for those touchdown drives uh, later in, later in the game. Obviously, that that touchdown throw to Dante Moncrief was was one of the best throws I've seen him make all season, and, and he made quite a few just phenomenal downfield throws. Unfortunately, only a couple of them were hauled in and kind of make the highlight reel, but. Uh, the one, the throw to Moncrief, the sideline throw to uh, T.Y. Hilton on, on third and 11 was another one that was just kind of mind-blowing. Um, but phenomenal game from him, and if that's the kind of game they're going to need from him going forward in the playoffs if they are going to make uh, any of these upsets happen. Uh, Scott, for this game then, you look at, at Andrew Luck, and obviously he avoided the turnovers this game and really was was never even close. Um is that something that you you know you think he can continue? Obviously, a lot of the talk going into the postseason was his his playoff turnovers. Um, you know, he had the the four against uh, New England last year. He had the the two against Kansas City. Uh, or was it three? Two or three? Three? Three against Kansas City. So, where do you see him? Uh, you know, going into Denver, have have that talented secondary. Do you see him being able to continue to play you know mistake free football? Yeah, I mean, the bang, the Bengals were, you know, good secondary. Uh, definitely was strength of their defense, uh, guys that can make plays. And, yeah, I mean, he protected the ball very well. Um, you know, he was able to get a first quarter, I mean, opening drive touchdown, which, you know, they haven't done all year, uh, get off to the good start. So, yeah, that's all very important. And, you know, you have to, you have to do the same things in Denver. And, um, you know, I think playing on the road is definitely different. Though I was surprised to see – that in terms of DVOA, the Colts are actually better on the road on offense this year than at home. Um, but, yeah, again, I think at home, the big thing with Luck is he really gets to use that hard count, uh, the voice inflection, you can hear everything. 
Uh, not going to have it on the road, though. Uh, I think we've seen him have some road games where he's able to draw a lot of offsides penalties. But, um, you know, it's going to be a tougher game. And I think, you know, the talented pass rushers uh, for the Broncos can definitely do a lot more than what the Bengals just do not have this season. And I, I thought Sims and Nance were really, uh, you know, rosying up the offensive line for the Colts. I mean, they just lost multiple starters for the injury reserve. Uh, yeah, the interior line's been the question all season. I mean, Anthony Costanza's about the only, um, what's the word I'm looking for, the only you know, mainstay, really, uh, guy on this offensive line. And you know, I thought they really talked up the O-line in the game. And again, the Bengals just cannot rush the pass. They said it's not really a good litmus test. So, um, you know, I think Andrew Luck... Um, I don't know if we're going to talk about that matchup exactly right now or later, but uh, to me, I think it has to be all on him Sunday. Uh, just abandon the run. Don't even try to run, really, except for obvious situations. And, you know, you're probably going to run into mistakes when you do that. But, uh, you know, I just can't see them getting a running game going against Denver's defense, which should have Brandon Marshall back at linebacker. Uh, they've had a very good run defense all season. And, again, I mean, if you look at the Colts on Sunday, you know, their offense was very one-dimensional. Um, you know, I think through the three quarters, it was like 43 or 44 dropbacks to nine runs. Um, you know, and that gets hidden because when you're up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, because your defense is playing well, you're able to run the ball, uh, pad the totals at the end. But, again, they really put the game in Luck's hands, and I think you have to do that again, uh, keep Trent Richardson off the field at all costs. and. I'll just see what he can do. The uh, decline of Richardson, not only in his play, but in the coach's eyes over the last month of the season uh, was was interesting. Obviously, he's he's gotten a lot of carries uh, last year and, and the beginning and first three quarters even of this year. But uh, Heron really picking up that starting job over the last quarter of the season and obviously was the workhorse in Cincinnati on Sunday. So going to be interesting if that continues. He did have the... Uh, quote-unquote illness uh, excuse a little bit on Sunday, although he did play one snap for Richardson. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see this week. He was demoted to playing punt coverage uh, in practice today. So that'll be interesting. All right, uh, Scott, the other AFC game, Baltimore-Pittsburgh. We talked about this last week. Um, Baltimore's defense really did a good job of, of containing Pittsburgh's offense. And, you know, Le'Veon Bell, obviously his absence hurts uh, Pittsburgh, but also, you know, Ben Roethlisberger turning the ball over. Uh, and Joe Flacco continuing to play very well in the playoffs. Uh, Flacco now on a five-game playoff winning streak. Obviously, there's a year of missing the playoffs in between there, but we don't care about that because the playoffs are all that matters. So, Scott, tell us why uh, Joe Flacco is such a phenomenal playoff quarterback. Well, apparently, the playoffs are all that matters to him. He doesn't show up like this during the regular season. I mean, he's like an NBA player. Uh, <laughs> take, the long, take that long season, kind of limp through it, and win enough games, get in the playoffs, and he start playing. I mean, he should go play for the Spurs or something. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's just weird because last season, I know he had some injuries at the end of the year, uh, but they got blown out by the Patriots and by the Bengals when they could have made the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, that whole never going one and done thing doesn't really sit well with me when you look at those games last year when they could have made the playoffs. But, I mean, yeah, he, he played very well. 
And uh, I think the funny thing is, if you had told people the Steelers would outrush the Ravens without Le'Veon Bell, you'd probably think they'd win the game. But, you know, they were able to, and they didn't even have their uh, right, or both of their offensive tackles. And they had Marshall E. Enda playing right tackle. And, you know, the left tackle wasn't even very good. I mean, James Harrison was pretty much the only Steeler defender that really showed up in that game. Um, you know, he played a very good game. Just a couple seconds or split seconds late on getting some major uh, pressure on Flacco. So, you know, Harrison played well. But, again, that secondary is terrible. Um, you know, defense was the worst in the playoffs for sure. And we knew that going into the playoffs in the worst unit. And that's how they played. I mean, they came up 30 points on the first eight drives of the game. Uh, the only stops they got were Flacco tripping on his own feet on the second play of the game and the fumble from Justin Corsett where he ran into his own lineman. I mean, those were the stops um, for your defense. So, uh, you know, Roethlisberger and the offense had to play great, and they just didn't. I mean, they, uh, you know, that third and one play early in the game, Ben just missed that throw to Brown who jumps for the ball. I mean, that's four points right there. Heath Miller drops the pass on the first uh, drive. In field goal range, that's another possible three points. I mean, it all adds up. Throw an interception on a two-point conversion, there's two more. I mean, the offense, they piled up yards. I mean, to me, Le'Veon Bell's the rushing performance was independent of the offensive output this season. When you're looking at, especially, especially when you're looking at the three games against Baltimore. I mean, when Week two, when they had their best rushing game against Baltimore, they scored six points. So, I mean, again, I think Ben didn't have his sharpest game, but, uh, you know, the, inter- the pivotal interception in the fourth quarter, uh, what a bad luck play that was. I mean, he spin out of a sack, he dumped it down to Ben Taze, who just got signed on Tuesday, and, bounced, you know, he pulls a Kenton Keith, but pretty much, or Eddie George, well, whatever, playoff failure you have here. Uh, and Terrell Sucks catches the ball with his leg. So, I mean, that really turned the game around, and, and then, yeah, you think you get a touchdown later, uh, make it a one-score game, about five minutes left, still should be okay. Uh, you get a holding penalty. I mean, again, offensive tackles had a rough night uh, trying to block you know, Suggs and Dumerville. Uh, such a great combination those two guys are. Always seem to give the Steelers fits, uh, Suggs. But, uh, yeah, and then Ben gets hurt, um, comes back into the game probably too early, uh, you know, some shaky – protocol there with the way injuries are uh, handled in a big playoff game and, you know, throws a horrible pass, worst of the night. Uh, interception, game over basically right there. But, uh, you know, definitely disappointing for him. And, again, he hasn't really had a consistent playoff game since Super Bowl forty three. So, I mean, it's been a long time for this team. And, uh, you know, let's say the Ravens have surpassed the Steelers uh, in this division as a team – you know, it's, you know, builds the right way and uh, competes for Super Bowls. And, uh, you know, I think John Harbaugh, it's six times he's already moved on to the second round of the, uh, the playoffs. And, you know, Mike Tomlin's only done it twice. And, you know, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and the year that they got from their skill players offensively. Uh, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger, arguably the best year of his career. Um, Antonio Brown continuing to to show up as as one of the best wide receivers in the league, if not the best. Uh, and Le'Veon Bell, I mean, he's he was in the argument, uh, in the discussion, if not the the favorite, uh, you know, for best running back in the league this season. Uh, you know, sorry, Demarco Murray, but I I mean personally, Le'Veon Bell, the things that he can do both in the passing game and the running game, uh, obviously phenomenal stuff. So. 
you look at at that team and and just the potential that they've got uh the offensive line you know actually playing well uh in stretches this season uh and that offense just you know putting up numbers that we haven't seen from the Steelers offense before uh really you know it's a it's a missed opportunity and and that's the part where you know you get into the playoffs and anything can happen especially if you've got a team that has weaknesses obviously pittsburgh and that secondary has been a weakness and it showed up on sunday with joe flacco you know putting up you know 259 yards on on 29 attempts um you can't do that if if you're you know if you're in the playoffs you can't have a, a pass defense be you know allow such in uh, allow such efficient numbers from your uh, an opposing quarterback it's just that's how the nfl works uh so again it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. Um, but obviously, you, know, you look at the Ravens and you look at the way they're built. Uh, they've they've been able to draft well over the last few years. That that front seven defensively is is as good as any in the league. Uh, and if you've got a quarterback that can get hot, anything can happen. So the Ravens kind of epitomized that over the last three years, and and they did it again here. Uh, all right, final game of the wild card weekend, and then we'll we'll spend some time previewing. The divisional round. One of the, the things about the playoffs that, that is always enjoyable, Scott, is uh, you know coming to these these podcasts where we've only got four games to, to cover uh, and then four games to look ahead to, so we can spend a little more time on them. Uh, all right, so Cowboys Lions, the best game of the weekend, um, and and obviously the most controversial. Uh, the Lions did a really good job controlling the game early on, um, but unable to, to really do anything offensively after the first quarter. It's put up 14 points in the first quarter, really controlling the Cowboys, uh, controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Uh, and then came the rest of the game. And and the Lions offensively really unable to do anything. Uh, the Cowboys you know, if able to get into a little bit of a groove here and there offensively, although that, that Lions defensive line did kind of keep them, uh, you know, kept that, that offensive line on his toes all, all day. Uh, Antonio Romo, but the Cowboys able to come up big and clutch 24, 20, uh, get the victory with the game winning pass from Romo to, to Terrence Williams. But obviously a lot of the talk after the game was the officiating and was the, uh, pass interference that wasn't, uh, on third down for the lions, uh, pass goes incomplete, uh, and the lions choose to punt the ball. Uh, and that's where, the Lions story ends. So Scott, when you look at what occurred with the officiating on the day, uh, how much, how much of a, you know, a claim do Lions fans have uh, on not necessarily on the conspiracy theories. Uh, we're just going to pretend those never even got brought up by anybody because it's, it's silly. Um, but on the officiating as a whole, I mean, who, you know, you can never blame the officiating completely, but, you know, how much of a reason do Lions, ha- Lions fans have to be indignant after this loss? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, definitely didn't like the way that went down. Um, you know, I think if you watch it back, I actually timed it. There's 20 seconds that come between the announcement of a penalty and then not a penalty. So it felt a little longer watching it live, but... 20 seconds is still pretty bad, and just something you usually don't ever see. I mean, yeah, flags get picked up, but you rarely see them announce a penalty and then take it away like that. And, um, you know, I think Lions fans have a legit gripe because there was enough on that play that, you know, they should have at least had another chance to run a play. I think you you could have had some offsetting uh, penalties on that play, 
uh, replay the down, which, you know, what was it, like 31 or whatever. But, you know, I think the jersey grab was very obvious. And, you know, that's something that was supposed to be a point of emphasis this year. Yet you see guys get away from it all the time. I mean, I remember last year, I, I literally queued up the uh, Colts Seahawks game from last season, just clicked on the one random spot in the game in Richard Sherman's grabbing Hayward Bay's jersey. I mean, it just happened so often. And there was a very obvious pull of the jersey on that play. So there's defensive holding right there. That's a five yard penalty on Mac first down. So that's one miss. And yeah, I think there's some good decent evidence of Brandon Pettigrew uh touching the face mask of the defender to get leverage. You know, you could call that the way they've been calling uh some of these face mask penalties anymore on the offensive player, which you're not used to seeing. So I mean there's something there. And then the interference itself, I mean, yeah, face guarding does not exist in the NFL. I remember Phil Sims calling face guarding on a Reggie Wayne play in the uh, 2006 AFC Championship. But, uh, yeah, again, I think usually when a play looks like that, uh, when the guy's not playing the ball, you're going to see pass interference. And, you know, I don't think it was an absolute must-call uh, on that one. But yeah, if they called it, you know, I would definitely agree with keeping that, the call. And um, they picked up the flag. And, man, I just the whole thing kind of stumped just – didn't have the right feel to it. Uh, again, I remember in the, earlier in the game, uh, one of the big things they were talking about were the officials being these all-star casts for the playoffs instead of keeping, you know, all the same guys together that work every week together. Uh, they, you know, they mix everything up. And I'm sure that had an impact on the way this was communicated and the, the whole process. So, uh, yeah, I think that might be something to look at going forward to you know, maybe keep the consistency, consistency together between these guys. I mean, I don't know how they really judge things anyway. If they keep a camera on every player or, I mean, every referee, and then they have uh, notes they write down uh, every call that they make. But, uh, you know, how to judge who's the best side judge, who's the best back judge. I don't know. I mean, they kind of like to see uh, them keep the same people together, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't like uh, what went on there. Yeah, uh, for me, I just, I, I mean, when they first uh, announced the penalty, I was just kind of rolled my eyes um, because I just don't, I I just don't like uh, that kind of penalty. I didn't like the uh, you know, Stafford trying to throw the ball through the back of a defender. I, I mean, I don't like seeing a guy rewarded for that. Um, and I didn't think, I mean, you know, you see both guys going and, and one guy tries to turn around to catch a narrow pass and, and there, you know, the other guy doesn't change his, his line of running and he runs into, I mean, that's basically what happened. So I, I, you know, I just thought it, it was a call where, okay, I, I can see if they call pass interference, I can see if they don't. Um, I, and then they, you know, the big part for me, like you said, was picking the penalty up and, and not talking about it um, before they announced it. And it was just the way it all happened was such a mess. Um, it, it like it's it's just makes things more difficult for the NFL than it should have been. You know, you talk about that before you announce it, and we're not talking about that penalty still today. Uh, you know, maybe a few bitter Lions fans are, um, but you know, the rest of the game there was just a lot of bad calls or missed calls throughout the game. Uh, you know, Detroit fans were upset about the missed holding uh, on the, the conversion later in the game for for Dallas. Uh, Dallas reportedly. I uh, was told by the NFL that they missed, you know, seven or eight penalties in their favor. So 
you know, it goes both ways. It was just a poorly officiated game and that happens. Um, and it, and it, it stinks. It's it stinks for Lions fans that, you know, there was some missed calls in, the, in their direction. There's missed calls in, in every game. So, I mean, for me, for the, if you're the Lions, you've got to go back and you've got to figure out why you couldn't score more than six points in, in three quarters in that game. Uh, you know, you have to look back and, and say, OK, Matt Stafford, why are you fumbling the ball twice on a potential game winning drive? Uh, you know, those are the issues that, that you've got to be worried about if you're the Lions fans, if you're Jim Caldwell rather than, you know, a couple missed penalties. Um, and, and again, there's, there's issues with, with refereeing and officiating in the NFL. There's, there's always room for improvement and there's certainly room for improvement. Uh, we've seen this year, uh, you know, a, more than one occasion, uh, just some very, very poorly officiated games uh, that, that, you know, that can't be tolerated and that need to be improved upon. I don't have the answers on, on how you do that exactly. Um, I know the NFL has its own review process and I doubt that any of the guys in that Dallas Detroit game, uh, you know, that crew is not going to be officiating the Super Bowl. Uh, but, but overall, if you're the lions, I just think you've got to look at this game and say, okay, offensively, we, we failed. This is not a good Dallas defense. I, I mean, they're not as bad as, as we thought they were going to be heading into the season, but they're not, they're not a team that should be holding, you know, a Lions offense that's as talented as it is to the six points in three quarters. Uh, it's just not. So for the Cowboys, a fantastic job for the Cowboys defensively and then offensively to bounce back from a slow first quarter uh, to get the, to get the win. And, and I'm happy for Tony Romo that he was able to come up, uh, come up big. And we've talked about it before, Scott, the, he gets a little bit of a bad rap for, for the, the clutch uh, plays that he's made versus a few of the interceptions, but uh, came up big in this one. Uh, like he's come up big all season and now he's, he's headed to green Bay for a big showdown with Aaron Rodgers. So uh, Scott, for you, you know, outside of the playoffs, uh, excuse me, outside of the uh, officiating, what was the, the biggest key in this game? Yeah. I mean, it, it was really an impressive comeback from Dallas. I mean, we've seen a lot of playoff games over the years where, you know, when everything going against the team, um, you know, they, they let down. They lose that game. I mean, most of the time that you're going to lose, you're down 14 nothing, And, you know, they had – Dan Bailey missed a field goal, a short, pretty short one after they got the turnover. Uh, I mean, just stuff like that just – it just did not seem like Dallas's day until, you know, probably like the last eight or nine minutes of the game. I mean, Detroit was really in control, and – it just kind of slowly, you know, Dallas just slowly hung in there and regained control of the game. I mean, Detroit's running game really disappeared after a great first quarter. Um, you know, Dallas's running game started finding some uh, some room to run for DeMarco Murray against a very good defense. And Romo took six sacks. I mean, that offensive line just did not look as advertised against Detroit's defensive line. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of reasons to, you know, lose that game, and they just kind of hung in there and, you know, got the fourth down conversion to Jason Witten. Um, you know, Romo was able to, um, you know, finally make moves in the pocket that led to a good play instead of a, a negative play like uh, Austin throughout the day and gets the touchdown. And, you know, you get to the end of the game and you think Matthew Stafford, you know, he lives for this stuff in the last two minutes. Uh, some very great drives in his career, and you know it was all on the table for him to you know get it done this time. And you know you get two fumbles, and uh, the first fumble kind of unbelievable that Dallas fumbled the ball right back to them. I mean we have you rarely see 
uh, I kind of like to call it a uh, takeaway giveaway. Uh, you rarely ever see that, but, you know, if Tom Brady had one in the playoffs against San Diego uh, eight years, seven, eight years ago. But, um, you know, I would have been more uh, talking about that play if I wasn't caught up with the fact that Fox had to roll out the first ever uh, game-winning <laughs> drive opportunity. I mean, how about that? We we made it. <laughs> I mean, we made it to TV. Uh, the game-winning right, drive opportunity record, yeah. And they had great numbers. I mean, 17 wins, 20, 17 wins, 26 losses for Stafford. So, you know that was pretty numbers. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> week, 16, week 16 column, I just had that record up. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was surprised to see that. And that kind of blew me away there. I was having a hard time uh, paying attention to this potential game-winning drive. And, yeah, it was disappointing, I think, from Stafford, I think. Yeah, he didn't even do his usual uh, throw up prayer to Calvin Johnson thing. You know, he gave us one sidearm throw on the drive. Uh, just a lot of short thinking dunk kind of stuff. And still, even uh, it wasn't until the fourth down play where you know I still thought Dallas was in trouble. I mean, you know, he had time to get that drive done, and just again fourth down to decisive play. You know, watching it back, the replay, I, I really didn't see anywhere he could have thrown the ball. Uh, it was just good defense from Dallas. And, again, that's the difference between Dallas this season versus the last three. When it comes to the fourth quarter, they find somebody to come up and make a play. And, you know, that rookie Lawrence comes up with the big sack, beat their, um, you know, first-round pick, left tackle, Riley Reef. Uh, just beat him off the snap and gets the fumble and, uh, you know, ball game right there, but uh, uh, disappointing for Detroit's the offense for sure. I think mean, Golden Tate had such a good start. Uh, Calvin Johnson, not the greatest game, but you know, he was a factor. And uh, Yeah, I mean, you like to get that you like to get that uh, some kind of penalty there on, on that drive that maybe could have put the lead up to six or more, but yeah, it just didn't happen, and I just didn't get much done in those last three quarters. I think six points on nine drives, that's not going to win uh, too many road playoff games, and you know, holding holding Dallas to 24 points on the roads, pretty good day for the defense. But um, yeah, again, very impressive job by Romo to hang in there with all the adversity and uh, deliver you know another game winning drive. Absolutely, and uh, big game again from from Romo. And I again, I, I think the defense Dallas uh, did a good job from you know after that first quarter, really allowing those two touchdown drives. Um, but but again, if you're Detroit, you've got to be disappointed about the offensive output, uh, especially you know given the, the start of that game. All right, uh, now we've got then Scott the divisional round of the playoffs. Like you said, uh, oftentimes the the best week of the year for football, just in terms pure pure entertainment standpoint. Uh, and I, I think this week we're we're gonna see the same thing. Uh, start. We'll just go the way the NFL schedule them. Uh, start with the Ravens and Patriots. Uh, a game, a rematch, really for New England. These Ravens have been a thorn in their side in the playoffs for the last what five years. Um, Joe Flacco obviously played well in the playoffs. Uh, the Patriots did get the win against uh, the Ravens on that, what was it, that dropped pass in the end zone a few years ago. Um, but overall, the Ravens have, have done a really good job against the Patriots in the playoffs um, and, and in the regular season as well. Uh, so here we've got the Patriots, though, at home. 
The Ravens on the road have actually played really well uh, over the last three years in the playoffs. So again, you, you've got some good signs for for the Ravens. Um, but this isn't the same Patriots team either. This might be, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to remember who said it, uh, one of the analysts on, on ESPN or somebody said it, uh, this might be the best Patriots team that we've seen overall. Uh, I mean, since 2007, but but maybe even before that. Yeah, and um, I like that they schedule this game first. Um, you know, they'll, they'll make the game on Sunday, uh, very obviously it's four, you know, either a trip to New England or a home game against Baltimore. So, yeah, I like that this game's up first. Um, you know, really all four games this week, the home team has been so good at home, not just this year, but the last couple of years. So, you know, big challenges. But, um, you know, I think aside from Dallas and Green Bay, who hardly ever play each other, you know, all these games are uh, between teams that have a pretty good history of playing each other tight. Um, you know, and I think the Ravens, I think a little too much is being made of some of their past success against the Patriots. Uh, again, I mean, the rosters have changed so much. But at the same time, you know, I haven't looked this up, but you know, I think you could probably say the same thing if you compared the 2009 game when they went up there and just destroyed them in the first quarter. I uh, compare those rosters to the 2012 uh, rosters of uh, the teams that won the AFC Championship, and it'd probably be a lot different there, too. I mean, uh, you know, but, again, it's the same coaches, same quarterbacks, so, yeah, a lot of that makes it pretty similar. But, yeah, I mean, Flacco's played better than Brady in a lot of these games, but you know, I think, you know, there's a big difference in the secondary New England, definitely a huge advantage there. But Baltimore is just kind of uniquely, um, you know, set up to give them a good game. I mean, the way to attack the Ravens is throwing deep passes. And that just does not apply to New England's offense, especially this season. Um, You know, Julian Edelman's not going to beat you deep. Brendan LaFell, he was a decent deep threat in Carolina, but – only two catches down the field, 20-plus yards this year. Um, it's not a guy that's going to get it done. So, um, you know, I think you look at the games where New Baltimore was exposed. Uh, there was a six-touchdown game in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I can't see Brady replicating that kind of performance. Um, you know, Phillip Rivers carved him up pretty good in the fourth quarter about a month ago. But, you know, again, they – Made Andrew Luck look pretty, I uh, almost want to say pedestrian, but you know, he didn't really uh, do a whole lot to Colts in that game. In Indianapolis, they scored 20 points. So, I mean, they were able to hold the Colts down pretty good back when you know the Colts were on a pretty good uh, groove. So, I mean, that's an impressive defensive performance. And, you know, again, you have Haloti Nana, you have Terrell Suggs, you have Ellis Dumerville. Those are three guys that have to carry you on defense. And, you know, C.J. Mosley's had a very good year. I like Daryl Smith. I mean, the front seven is as advertised. They have a lot of great players, and they have to play a great game. And, you know, I think they have some advantages against the New England O-line that, you know, hasn't always been that strong this year. And it's a New England running game that's unusually inconsistent. So, um, you know, I think Robert Gronkowski has to have a huge game, probably will, uh, having him healthy for the playoffs. It's a welcome change, something I haven't had in recent years. But, um, you know, I think you have to give Baltimore a puncher's chance to pull this one off. But that's definitely going to be very tough. 
Uh, and that, you know, for Baltimore, uh, going up against that talented New England secondary with Revis and Browner playing as well as they've played throughout the year, uh, that, you know, that's going to be a much bigger test than, than Pittsburgh was for Joe Flacco and, and Steve Smith. Um, Steve Smith and Torrey Smith have put together a, a decent pair of years. Um, but again, that's a secondary that the, that quality secondary they haven't really seen outside of maybe, you know, Cincinnati and Cleveland have, have decent secondaries, uh, not quite the star power of Rebus, Rebus and Browner and, and McCordy in the back end as well. Uh, I mean, those are three guys that, especially Rebus and McCordy that are, you know, at the top of the discussion at their positions. Um, so it's going to be a, a more difficult perspective from there for the Ravens uh, and the Patriots. You know, the, for the Patriots, I, Rob Gronkowski is is just a, a matchup nightmare. Um, if he takes away a lot of the you know, a lot of the focus from the defense, especially from the safeties, if they're working with our linebackers trying to control Gronkowski, it could open up for some of those downfield passes. Unfortunately for New England, you know, like you said. Uh, downfield passes haven't been their strong suit and whether that's targets, whether that's Brady uh, you know, getting older and, and it never really being a strength for him. Uh, well, it doesn't really matter either way. It hasn't been a strength and it's going to be interesting to see if they do take advantage of that at all uh, against Baltimore. All right. Uh, second game then in Seattle, Carolina, uh, you know, you mentioned Scott, the history between these two teams, obviously, just the uh, regular season games. Um, a couple of last year, Seattle, what was it last year? Two, I think it was last year. Yeah. Last year, Seattle traveling to Carolina, having some issues there, difficult game. Um, but uh, at home, obviously Seattle is a, is a much better team than on the road. Uh, and Carolina, while they've played well over the last few weeks, uh, I just have a really hard time seeing them be able to get anything going offensively uh, in Seattle against that defense. Yeah, I mean, somebody mentioned to me last night on Twitter about uh, yeah, everything points to a Seattle win, but it'd be a huge upset to blow up next week if Carolina won. And, you know, I said it'd be like somebody taking a massive dump in the middle of a ballroom floor. I mean, I, I don't want to see Carolina win this game. I want to see <laughs> Seattle. I want to see Seattle take on, you know, Green Bay or Dallas. That's the, you know, those are the great matchups in the NFC. You know, the one on Sunday and then next week. I don't want to see Carolina win, but yeah, uh, you know, they have a small chance just because they have played, uh, you know, this offense very tough the last three years. But all those games were in Carolina. You know, it's a whole different thing in Seattle. And, you know, talk about the prime time record. You hear it all the time with the Bengals. Pete Carroll is 15-1 and one in prime time uh, since he came to Seattle. Uh, pretty ridiculous record. Um, again, we know Russell Wilson. Every game of his career, he's had a lead. Uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, they're always leading you right there. I mean, there's no way uh, Carolina's going to just walk up there and shock everyone um, with a big win. But, you know, if they win, it'll be on the end of the at the end of the game. But I just can't see them scoring more than ten points. I mean, Seattle literally would have to turn the ball over like crazy in bad field position, or have a special teams nightmare kind of game. Uh, that's the only way I can see Carolina scoring a lot. It's just no one's been able to penetrate this defense. I mean, thirty nine points in the last six games. I mean, it hasn't been done in. Uh, over 20 years. I mean, it's only been done three times since 1960. I mean, this is just 
a ridiculous streak that this defense is on. And you look at Carolina, I mean, really, they don't have all the weapons to, um, you know, go after this defense. And Greg Olson probably the best shot. Um, they don't defend Calvin Benjamin better. Did have a highlight where we catch last time they played for 51 yards. But, you know, there's not many receivers. I mean, Philly like Brown's their deep threat kind of guy anymore, and he got hurt last week. So, uh, you know, again, I don't know if Jonathan Stewart can really carry the load. Uh, you know, he's going to have to just because I don't think Cam Newton's healthy. So, I mean, it's really – this game's really all on Seattle to just come out and be the better team that they have been uh, really the last three years uh, compared to Carolina. So, um, you know, I don't see a high-scoring game. I think, you know, Seattle will probably get a 2010 kind of win uh, to move on next week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Carolina is going to be able to score it. Uh, and like you said, they've played the Seattle offense well, and and Seattle's offense hasn't been, uh, you know, hasn't hasn't been extremely impressive over the year. Obviously, running the ball, they've been fantastic. Whether it's Marshawn Lynch, obviously, uh, but also Russell Wilson has been uh, fantastic on the ground. Um, and the passing game has has picked up as the season's gone on. We saw some of the issues early in the season, uh, then trading Percy Harvin and, and still having difficulties after that to, to find the group. Um, they've gotten into a better rhythm over the last few weeks of the season, uh, but still, you know, offensively, they're not a team that you look at and say, okay, this is this is uh, unstoppable force. Um, running the ball is their strength, and, and Carolina with that front seven has the, the personnel to deal with it. Um, but like you said, offensively on the road, it's just such a hard matchup for Carolina. Um, Cam Newton has has played well to end the season, despite uh, you know the injuries that he had, despite the, uh, the the car crash that he went through, has been playing well. Um, but that Seattle defense is just something else at home. Um, if you get a got a team like Green Bay or Denver going to Seattle. Uh, with the offensive lines that they've had this year and the ability they've had to protect the quarterback, I, I you know that opens up a whole different I mean different realm of possibilities. Um, and that, like you said, those are the matchups that that we want to see going forward. Um, but yeah, I think Carolina will still make it be uh, potentially a good game, but I, I just can't see that defense allowing Carolina to get up and down the field more than a couple times. So Carolina's going to win. They're going to need to to force some turnovers from Seattle. And Seattle has been one of the, the better teams uh, at holding on to the ball. Obviously, having a, a fantastic run game uh, speaks to that. But uh, overall, like you said, got to go with got to go with Seattle going forward. Um, playoffs, anything can happen. But uh, Seattle's the favorite, uh, as it should be. All right, Sunday's games then. Uh, the first one, Scott, is that great matchup in the NFC. Cowboys and Packers at 1 o'clock uh, on Fox. Packers at home have been fantastic this year. Cowboys on the road have been fantastic. Cowboys 8-0 on the road this year. We talked about it before, that perplexing 4-4 uh, four and four record at home. Uh, but on the road has been very good. They did go into Seattle and beat them early in the year. Um, and, and a big part of that road success is the fact that they've got the ground game that can get going uh, with Murray in the offensive line. And, and like I just mentioned, the offensive line being able to protect Romo. Uh, has been huge. So Aaron Rodgers, the best home quarterback in the NFL this season. Tony Romo, arguably the best road quarterback. Uh, so this should be a fantastic matchup. Definitely going to uh, go with the over in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely the toughest game to predict this weekend. 
Um, you know, the Cowboys think they're the best road team this weekend, uh, which definitely gives them the best chance to win uh, if any of these home teams are going to fall. And, you know, you have the wild card with Aaron Rodgers' calf injury. Um, you know, I think Dallas would be foolish not to test his mobility early in the game. You know, send some overload blitzes, uh, see if you can make him move, and see if he can move. I mean, we've seen in that Detroit game uh, some shaky moments uh, when uh, he could barely uh, walk or he stayed on the ground after he threw that one touchdown uh, when he had to leave the game. Uh, so you, and, again, I think Detroit failed to really make him move afterwards. He was getting rid of the ball very quickly. And, you know, their protection is better this season, so that's a huge advantage over past years. Uh, well, we see him have to run around a lot more. I mean, we've seen him this season have tons of times in the pocket, which, you know, Tony Romo enjoys as well. So, uh, yeah, again, you got to test that mobility early, uh, come after him. And, uh, you know, Dallas, they have the offense to control the clock and, uh, you know, use the running game. It's probably going to be pretty, really cold on Sunday. So, um, you know, maybe the uh, passing game won't be as crisp as usual. But, you know, these are two similarly uh, poor run defenses. So, uh, you know, I think Eddie Lacy and Marco Murray could really be the stars of the game, even though Romo and Rogers were the two best quarterbacks this season. Um, and obviously the Cowboys are more likely to, you know, put the ball in Marco Murray's hand. They do it every week. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy always questioned his uh, commitment to the running game, but, you know, if your quarterback's hurt, uh, it's just going to be a necessity uh, to lean on the running the game more. So I think both running backs are huge in this game. Usually don't say that, but, you know, that's the kind of game I think it will be. Uh, yeah, Dallas has a great shot, but, uh, again, Green Bay, you really just have to avoid the avalanche uh, that can happen in the first half in that building uh, where they score points. And, again, Dallas can score too, so uh, very interesting matchup. Uh, and big matchup for uh, the Green Bay secondary. The Green Bay secondary has done a pretty good job uh, this season, I think better than, than some of us expected. Uh, but uh, Tony Romo and especially Des Bryant, a huge matchup for them. Uh, the Dallas defense, again, it's not a good defense. So for me, I mean, it's just going to be can they keep up offensively? Um, at the Green Bay offense really getting balanced as the season went on, using Eddie Lacy uh, to uh, balance out Aaron Rodgers and and uh, Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. So it's going to be very difficult, I think, for that Dallas defense to, to be able to get stops. It's going to be one of those situations where you go into the game just hoping to steal a few possessions. Um, I, you, I, I just don't think you can go in with the game saying, all right, we're going to stop Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's just not going to happen. Um, but if you can steal a few possessions and, you know, allow your, your offense to, again, to keep up, uh, give yourselves a chance to win at the end, uh, you never know what can happen. Um, the one thing to watch for in this game, Aaron Rodgers does have that calf injury, uh, and that, that that's going to impact how much he can move in the pocket. Uh, Dallas, you know, obviously defensively have had it, has had its struggles and it has had its struggles in pass rush, but we did see it come up big a few times this last weekend, uh, DeMarcus Lawrence getting those, those sacks and the fumbles. Um, so if, if Rogers can't move in the pocket, that could, you know, have a big impact on how this game, uh, plays out. We saw in, uh, what was it in Atlanta, um, you know, Green Bay, 
the the, you know, the injury coming out and really affecting his movement and and the Green Bay offense did stall uh, after that injury. So it's going to be interesting to see if uh, you know Dallas can take advantage of that. Like I said, steal a few possessions uh, and and be able to keep up offensively. Should be a fantastic game either way. It's one of those games where you know we're talking about it, Scott, and it should be a high scoring uh, game with a lot of big plays. And it's going to be one of those games just because it's the NFL playoffs. It's going to be like 17-13 or something like that. <laughs> All right. The final game then of the weekend, uh, Indianapolis and Denver. In Denver, the third matchup between Luck and Peyton Manning ever since Manning was cut by the Colts in, in 2012. Obviously went on to draft Andrew Luck. Uh, Ryan Gregson and Chuck Pagano take over. Uh, turnaround, obviously, for the Indianapolis Colts, going from two and fourteen to eleven and five, three straight years, three straight playoff appearances, uh, two division titles the last two years, uh, and Denver has been as successful as they would have hoped, really, outside of of not getting the Super Bowl win last year, um, but uh, getting the what was it? It's a bye weeks all three years now, and, and the number one seed last year going to the Super Bowl. Uh, Denver Broncos obviously have bigger aspirations than just getting to the playoffs. However, uh, Peyton Manning, in his age, we know that the end is coming soon for him. Uh, they want to take advantage of of the you know the players that they've got on rookie contracts right now. Uh, they've got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, arguably, the most talent in terms of just balance on both sides of the ball in the league. Uh, and it, they, they don't want to be, uh, that, you know, two 2000s Colts teams that, uh, you know, 2005, 2007 balanced teams on both sides of the ball in the regular season. And then, and then choke it up in the playoffs. That's not who they want to be. They have those bigger aspirations. Uh, and that means they've got to beat the Colts on Sunday. And for the Colts, they're looking to take that next step. They're looking to be you know, a contender in the AFC, and I and nobody's going to say that after the regular season. Um, but they have a chance now to to make up for it in the playoffs. Uh, in Denver, very difficult matchup for Indianapolis. Uh, we saw Denver win in Week One, although after getting out to a big lead, they did allow Indianapolis to come back and have a chance at the end. Uh, the Colts unable to convert on fourth down on a potential game-winning drive. Uh, Reggie Wayne gets his hands on a ball, unable to bring it in. Bradley Roby, the rookie cornerback, with a good play on. Uh, but this matchup should be a little bit different. Denver's a little bit different team. Uh, obviously, has taken on more of a running uh, personality as the the season's gone on, and Peyton Manning's uh, gotten a little beat up. Uh, so his health and his uh, play is going to be key on Sunday. And the Colts, not quite the same team either. I think offensively, they've they've become they've they've known themselves better as the season's gone on. Uh, Pep Hamilton's play calling has been better. We saw last week a very well-called game from him, and, and Andrew Lux uh, developed a little bit as the season gone on. Uh, Scott, what do you see as the biggest key between these two games, or between these two teams going into their third matchup? Yeah, I mean, the, the word team, that's what I see. I think you know, I've been writing the last day of my preview for this game. Still not done with it, but you know, I think the thing that I'm trying to put out here is, you know, the Broncos have a really good team on both sides of the ball. And, you know, they're better than the Colts on offense and defense. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a role reversal where, you know, we're used to seeing Manning in the playoffs having to carry, you know, a flawed team into a big playoff game where, you know, this week he's not really, he doesn't have to be uh, great on Sunday to win this game. 
and they should be able to run the ball effectively. They should be able to play you know, good defense that doesn't get absolutely carved up uh, the way Luck you know, has done to lesser opponents this season. And, you know, for the Colts, it's really all about Andrew Luck. I mean, he has to play a brilliant game. I mean, even better than what he did on Sunday, I think. And, and he has to do it on the road. Um, kind of reminds you of some, you know, younger uh, Peyton Manning uh, Colts teams uh, where, you know, it was really on the quarterback to play great. And, you know, that rarely works out. I mean, they beat the Chiefs that one year on the road, the game with all the punts. Um, yeah, I don't think Denver's defense is that bad as Kansas City's, but, you know, luck, I mean, I just don't think you can rely on the running game to be there. I mean, we've seen some pathetic rushing uh, games from the Colts against good teams in the past, and, you know, again, you look at the when the Colts lose, uh, there's a lot of similar traits. I mean, you see the defense get absolutely shredded, like in Dallas a couple weeks ago. Again, all five losses this year, they gave up 30-plus points. Those were the best offenses they played, not coincidentally. So, I mean, I think Denver is going to – it's going to look similar to week one, but I just don't think Julius Thomas is the same player and that Denver will have to get production. Uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders is the guy I look at in this game. I mean, I think Demarius Thomas, he had a rough – Week one, he had three draw passes. Uh, he didn't get much going. Um, wasn't all on. I mean, he was rarely covered by Vontae Davis, at least uh, when they targeted him. So, and I think these teams can move the receivers around to avoid those uh, tougher matchups. And you know, T.Y. Hilton was kind of shut down week one as well. Um, again, the key to leave and Chris Harris. You know, take, take your pick. Um, you know, a guy like Don uh, Dante Moncrief. You know, it, it, to me, he's not a weapon at this stage of his career. Uh, he's only a weapon if Luck decides to make a brilliant throw to him like he did on Sunday for that touchdown. So, I mean, he's not a guy that has, uh, you know, the route running to really dominate a game like this. And uh, Reggie Wayne just, you know, on his last legs here, not the same guy. 13 targets, nine catches in week one. Um, not the focal point of the offense anymore. So, again, a lot of it's on T.Y. Hilton to play big after so many drop passes last week. Um, you know, he definitely is a guy that can make the big plays in this one. Uh, you know, the tight ends have been so inconsistent and Blaine Allen's injury. But, you know, I think you just kind of have to uh, go out there and throw it 50 times. And uh, maybe the key there is you wear out the pass rushers. You know, we looked at Denver's defense. Uh, Jack Del Rio rarely blitzes. Uh, he sends four-man rush about 73% of the time. Uh, maybe you can wear out Demarcus Ware and Juan Miller, get them tired in the fourth quarter, and, you know, when they go to that prevent defense, uh, that's when Luck can quickly march down the field and get touchdown drives, which he did in week one. And that was a game where the Colts left a lot of points on the table. I mean, they had a 50-some-yard field goal. I think they tried to hit early in the game. Uh, actually, they, that's right, Vinatieri made the field goal. He didn't miss until week 17, but uh, you know they bypassed fourth and short. You know, they had a quarterback sneak that didn't work in the goal line. There were points left on the table in that game, and um, you know he plays sharper. You know, Luck had some high passes that were tipped, interceptions. You have to avoid that. Um, again, there's definitely points to be had in that game. Um, you know, I could see a similar outcome, just like a 31-24 kind of game, but. 
again, the Broncos just have a better team, uh, more flexibility, more ways to win the game, whereas you know, the Colts, it's really all on the quarterback to uh, play great. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Colts, and you know they had a desire. You know, after letting uh, Peyton Manning go, Jim Mercy came out and said, "We want to build a team you know, that doesn't rely just on the quarterback and quote unquote Star Wars numbers from the offense." Uh, I got, and I ironically, got we we've seen them do the exact same thing with Andrew Luck. Uh, you know, the last three years, uh, they depend on him as much, if not more, than any other quarterback in the league. Um, and like you said, this. This is a game. Look at it. You, this Denver team does everything uh, better than the Colts. They they pass it better, uh, despite as as you know the Colts took a big step this year with Andrew Luck and passing the ball. Denver still has done it better. Um, you, they run the ball better. They stop the run better. They stop the. I mean, every this is. I think you tweeted about it earlier today. This is this is what the third time uh, Peyton's had the better run and defensive support in his career, something like that. Yeah. No. But most significantly, too. So you know, this is this is a game where if the Colts are going to win it, it's going to be because Andrew Luck has a phenomenal game, uh, and he's capable of it. We saw it last week had a, had a fantastic game against Cincinnati, arguably the best of his career. Um, but it, it is again, this is a, a team that once again is completely relying on its quarterback. Uh, much more so than than Denver is, but Denver still needs Peyton to be big. I think in this game, um, unless they they show, turn up a you know New England Patriots performance against the Colts, where they can just run the run the ball and run the ball and run the ball uh, and defensively completely shut them down, uh, they're going to need Peyton to show up. So uh, I, it's going to be a fun game. I think it's it's these two teams have played close in each of their matchups over the last two years. And I think this one will be close as well. I don't think it's going to be blow up, although it is going to be, I think, a difficult matchup for Indianapolis. Uh, but it'll, it'll be fun. Uh, in Denver, Denver's got the home field advantage. I, 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 it's The only reason you would pick Indianapolis is because you think Andrew Luck's going to show up uh, with a huge game. Uh, so going to be fun. Uh, Scott, you're a uh, you know, must-watch game for the weekend. What do you, what do you look at as the, as the best matchup this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I like that Dallas-Green Bay game. I just think that's the one with the most possibilities what could happen. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers, can he, can he carve up that defense? That's probably that's really the worst defense playing this weekend. And I think they're, they're the only pass defense that's not ranked in the top 15 that's playing this weekend, Dallas. They're like 22nd. And, you know, a lot of the defenses this year, this week, they're all clustered like in that 10 to 15 range. You know, just slightly above average, but that Dallas defense definitely no name defense, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, that's an interesting one because you know if Rodgers, I mean, you know, if they implode at home and again, I mean that would be I think the fourth time they've gone one and done under McCarthy. Um, you know, so that would be a bad look. And you know, the Dallas Cowboys like a bizarro year where everything that they haven't done over the years they're doing this year. I mean, that is definitely an intriguing game. Uh, biggest matchup, individual matchup this week, whether it's, uh, you know, players or, or units, what's the, the biggest matchup, uh, most critical one this week? Oh, I think it's Gronkowski against the Baltimore defense. Uh, yeah, to me, they, they can, you know, the Ravens have always done a good job of limiting the slot receiver for Brady, whether it's Wes Welker or Julian Edelman. I mean, they're not going to give up. 
uh, you know, huge yards after the catch to those guys. They usually hem them in pretty well. And Baltimore's defense is very good this year against short passes, actually. But, you know, I think it's all about Gronkowski. Um, you know, if he dominates, puts up, you know, 130 yards, a couple touchdowns, uh, it's going to be pretty much impossible for them to uh, stop them with, when he's making big plays. And you know, he really has become their dominant receiver down the field even. I mean, you look at that Miami game, I think all three of his catches were 25-plus yards. So, uh, you know, that's the guy. Again, I don't know any defense really that's found a great way to shut him down. But, uh, you know, I think think they're saving him for the playoffs, New England. He's finally healthy and uh, probably going to unleash hell on Saturday. Uh, One more stat and then a couple other things. From you, you tweeted this out earlier today, Scott. Uh, Patriots nine and zero in the playoffs since two thousand one when playing a team for the first time, and uh, nine and eight when it's a rematch, which is uh, obviously interesting considering they're playing Baltimore this week, which is what the third or fourth rematch. Well, it's from the same season, so it's actually a oh, new okay. opponent for twenty. It's a new opponent for twenty fourteen. Yeah, I kind of saved that one until today. I was going to put out the other day, but because again, these teams play each other so much every year that. Yeah, it's not it's not so much a brand new opponent for them as uh, you know playing a team like uh, Seattle would be in the Super Bowl or what have you. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely familiarity between these two teams, and uh, yeah, it is interesting though because if the Patriots win, uh, that will be a rematch next week either way, whether it's Denver mm. or Indianapolis. Uh, and they uh, and one of the things that you'll hear NFL players say so many so many times is. Uh, it's it's hard to beat a team twice in the same year, uh, and you see it in divisional records every year. You know, even when even when Indianapolis, that's one of the things that makes uh, you know the Colts sweeps of the AFC South impressive over the last in two years. Obviously, it's the AFC South, uh, and there's such a you know there's such a, a gap between them and and the other the other teams. Um, but you know, even when the Colts were dominating the division under the Manning years, they only swept a division I think one time. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to beat. Uh, teams twice in the same year just because the the margin f- for error is so close between these teams um so yeah it's uh, the rematches are always fun uh and then the last the last stat from you today before we we take off scott uh, you threw it out there on twitter earlier today and you mentioned it earlier in the broadcast uh these teams all these home teams have been very good uh since since 2012 uh seattle 24 and 2 uh, Denver 24 and three, uh, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers 19 and three, uh, and Tom Brady and the Patriots 23 and four. So, uh, home teams obviously have a, a big advantage this weekend. Are you taking the home teams in all these matchups? Yeah, I mean, I last week I took all the home teams, and of course, once again, I got burned by the only one I really wanted to win, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, it just seems to happen a lot for me in the playoffs. I get all the games right except for the ones I want a uh, different outcome. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the look at the records this, this year, it's 30-2 and two for these home teams. And, you know, one of the losses was New England resting some of their key players against Buffalo. So, you know, the only true loss was really uh, Seattle against Dallas. So you know, keep that in mind if we're going forward here. But, um, yeah, I mean, the offense is – for New England, Green Bay, and Denver is just so much better at home. It's very unusual uh, this year because again, Peyton Manning, his road his road offenses have been so good in his career. I think five times he's had the number one offense in DVOA on the road, 
And this season, it's just been a disaster, kind of borderline disaster when they've gone on the road. So at home, so very good. And, yeah, to me, I think the home team to be most concerned about is Green Bay. So I think just for the sake of picking uh, a road team to win this week, I would go with Dallas (laughs) just because – yeah, that 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 calf injury. I mean, think about it. He had a bye. Aaron Rodgers had the bye week to you know rest up, get better, and he still didn't practice yesterday. And I think he might have done something today. But to me, you know, if he was normal, hundred percent, he would have been practicing for a playoff game yesterday. So I mean, it's definitely worrisome in the way he plays the game. Um, yeah, if he's not able to have that mobility to escape the pocket, uh, he's not the same quarterback. I mean, he's still he's still great. But, you know, that's just an added dimension that you get with him that you don't get with most quarterbacks. So, um, you know, that definitely worries me. And I think the temperature's going to call for more of a running game. That's why they had to go get Eddie Lacy, get a better running back. But, you know, we haven't really seen that uh, come to fruition in the playoffs yet for this offense. So, again, I hate to, you know, kind of pick Jason Garrett to outcoach somebody, but... I just think uh, the Cowboys very consistent on the road, and those eight no road teams usually make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, there aren't too many of them out in history, so I don't know. I mean, kind of kind of feeling Dallas by three points. Uh, Marinelli, Ron Marinelli, saying today that they're not going to assume Aaron Rodgers will be limited. Uh, that's that's the smart way to go. Um, but it sounds like, from doctors' perspectives, that it, it, it he's definitely not going to be 100%. Uh, he was limited today in practice, although reports were that he, quote-unquote, looked good, although, again, limited, so you, you don't know how much he's actually doing. Um, but, yeah, that could be a big factor. Uh, I mentioned earlier that or the Cowboys are going to need to get, you know, steal a few possessions and offensively might need to to get a turnover or two. Aaron Rodgers has been so good at holding onto the ball and, and being uh, smart with the ball uh, at home. He, well, he hasn't, I think his last interception he threw was, was 2012 at home. So, I mean, the, the guy's phenomenal in at Lambeau uh, and the Cowboys were definitely going to need uh, to get some lucky breaks uh, on Sunday if they're going to contain that Green Bay offense. So, all right. Well, Scott, uh, appreciate you coming on today. Obviously, with only uh, you know eight games to talk about this weekend and this last weekend, next week, uh, a little bit shorter show today. Uh, next week, we'll really dive into those, those wild card matchups and and dig a little deeper. Uh, should be really fun. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> FC Conference game matchups. Uh, should be fun. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, and again, looking forward to this weekend. Should all all four games uh, should be close. Only only one that I really think could could end up being blowout is that. Yeah, that Seattle matchup always always so difficult at home. All right, uh, everybody else will be uh, on Twitter if you wanted to give us a, a holler. Uh, Scott Kazmar at uh, f o underscore Scott Kazmar and uh, myself Kyle Rodriguez at Colts off underscore Kyle. Uh, all right, everybody, stay safe this week, and we will look forward to talking to you again next week on Inside the Writers Pod. <laughs>